Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. So how you guys doing today? Everybody good today? All right. So glad you are here today. Thank you for coming out to Freedom Church. And thanks again for your honor to me. I'm honored and I am humbled to be your pastor. And I'm thankful and the best is yet to come. Do you agree with me on that? The best is yet to come. Let's give God praise who gives us life and breath. This was, I wore this jacket today. I didn't, I didn't plan on it, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> so anyway, so, so glad I'm here today. Uh, to be able to be a part of your lives. And uh, let's give some love to those that may be watching online there. Let's give them some love. And I'll say to you, if you're online and you're in driving distance, it's better together, right? Everybody scream out to them say, it's better together. We'd love to see you here uh, at 9 or 10.30. So. Uh, but also, maybe you're here and you're brand new today to Freedom Church. Thank you for coming. We love you and God does too. And uh, we're just thankful that you are here. And the thing about it is people believe different things, but what I want you to believe in that God believes in you more than you believe in yourself, and he has a great future for you. So we're so glad that all of you are here. A couple of weeks ago, I started a series of messages called Identity Crisis. Now, how many of you agree with me that there is an identity crisis going on in our world today? Yes, everybody agrees with that. Identity crisis, the world is in confusion uh, with their identity. I kicked off the first week, and we're doing it from the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And the first week, I talked about who I am, and we need to know who we are in Christ. Last week, I talked about the benefits of identity in Christ. That was the first couple of chapters there of the book of Ephesians. Today, I want to talk about Christian identity in the church. But before I do, I want to, something I thought, thought was very interesting this week. I was looking up the true uh, situation of real identity theft. Now, how many of you here have ever been struck by identity theft? Raise your hand. Yes, a lot of you have in the last service. You know what they said? That every two seconds, a case of identity theft takes place. Now, think about that. Identity theft is very personal, and no doubt it's a traumatic uh, experience. And when something that defines you, like your account number or your job position or your family role or your social status, or maybe that, that beloved possession among other things, when those are stolen from you, no doubt it can scar you. Well, I want you to understand there's a real true enemy, Satan, that wants to steal from you, and he wants to steal your identity as well. The series that we're talking about, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus to be able to strengthen the Christians and their faith through their identity in Christ, their unity in the church, and the purpose of the church. And last week, as I talked about the benefits in Christ and having those and our identity in Him, the goal that Satan wants to do is to steal our identity, thus he wants to steal your future. He doesn't want you to have a future in God at all. And before I can walk in my destiny, before any of us can claim the promises of God in our life, I've got to figure out who I am. Because if I have no identity in Christ, I have no destiny at all in Christ. So here's what I know about people. We're all identified in different facets of life in different ways. Now let me ask this question. How many of you here are married? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you are married. Uh, how many, you, you got a lot of people that's married. Maybe you're married with kids. Maybe you're here today and uh, you're a single parent. 
and, you got, and you're trying to make life happen. You're doing double duty. You're doing that. How many of you here are single and looking? Raise your hand real high, real high. Raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand up. If you're single, raise your hand up. Raise your hand up real high. Now look around the room and see who the other single people are. And then when you get out there in the lobby after service, you just go up to them and say, hey. You know? Um, hey, what a better place to find somebody but in God's house. Come on, man. That's the place to find somebody's in God's house. But we're all identified in different ways. And I remember years ago, my, uh, my daughters, when they were at home, they come up to me and you know what they said to me? They said, Dad, you're a metrosexual. I said, what are you talking about? It sounds like a weird, sinful thing. I said, no, Dad, it ain't bad. Dad, you're, you're a heterosexual man that has a strong concern for your appearance. I thought, just don't call me that, okay? I don't want to hear that, okay? Whatever you want to say about that, you know. But today, we're going to move forward in what I would call a Q&A, identity Q&A. And, and as we think about talking about our Christian identity in the church, the church, when you think about the church, what does it mean? Uh, the word translated church in the English Bible is ecclesia. That is, the word means the called out ones. However, the English word church does not actually come from ecclesia. It comes from the word kurakon, which means dedicated to the Lord. So, with that being said, the called out ones are dedicated to the Lord. That's the church. In other words, is everybody take your fingers and let's do this right here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here's the church. Say, so here's the church. Here's the steeple. You open it up, there's the people, right? Right? So, the people. You know what? This church is going to be perfect. Absolutely perfect. The building is when we're all out and the alarm's turned on. You with me? Well, as long as we're here, it's not going to be perfect. But we're trying our best to be the called out ones that are dedicated to the Lord. It's not about going to church for you and I to live some kind of restrictive, painful lifestyle, but it's to be able to come to church to get your wonder changed. Want what God wants, not what really you want. You want to honor God and please Him. Why is that? Because you've experienced His love. You don't just go to church, you want to be the church. That's what we want to be is be the church. Look at the person next to you and say, be the church. And say, you too. So, church, that's what it means. What about a Christian? What does that mean when you say Christian? Well, it means very simply, you're a follower of Christ. You're a follower of Christ. You're, you're a little Christ. Reminds me of a little boy, he talked to his dad, and he went up to his dad and said, Dad, what's a Christian? So the dad replied, and he said, a Christian is a person who loves and obeys God. They're a person who loves their friends, their neighbors, they even love their enemies. They're a person who prays, and they're kind, and they're gentle, and they're holy, and they're more interested in going to heaven than having earthly riches. That son is a Christian. Son backed up and he looks at his dad and he was trying to puzzle look on his face. He says, Have I ever seen one, Dad? Wow. What does a real Christian look like? Let me throw some pictures up here and you tell me what you think. Do these look like real Christians? What about this, this person here? Does that look like a real Christian? The late Dr. Billy Graham. How about this person? Does this person right here look like a real Christian? I'm not being the judge. I'm just asking you when you look at people that you know. How about somebody you maybe don't know? How about this picture? 
Any of you know who this is? Don't anybody know who this is? A couple of you do. This is Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy confessed to over 30 murders, serial killer. How about this person? They look like a real Christian? This right here is Ben Priest. He is the president of Tribe of Judah Motorcycle, the Christian ministry. So here's what I want to tell you, is that it's, it's not how you look, it's how you act, okay? Now, I'm not talking about the whole other, other sermon or message about modesty. The Bible teaches me, don't run around as a naked Christian. You need clothes on, okay? Let me get that straight right now, okay? You need clothes on. But it's not how you look, it's how you act that makes all the difference in the world. So when our identity in Christ, it, we're saying our identity in Christ, we bowed the knee to Jesus, we've been forgiven, we're a born-again Christian, we've given our hearts to Him. Then we're followers of Jesus Christ. Then we take on His nature. We take on His characteristics when we're in Christ. Then identity, identity of the church is made up of followers of Jesus Christ and that are being Christ-like. So today, I want to share with you from chapters 3 and 4 in its entirety, so I hope you brought your lunch. We're going to be here a while. I'm just kidding. But we're going to look at five leadership characteristics of our identity in Christ. And it's going to be, when I look at it, I'm talking about distinctive Christian leadership characteristics that's your identity that makes up who you are in Jesus. And some of you are already pushing back and say, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. This isn't for me because I'm not a leader, let alone a Christian leader. You are a leader, every single person under the sound of my voice, because leadership is influence, and everyone has influence. Therefore, everyone is a leader in life. So I want you to own that. Let's go to the next level. How many of you are, are born-again Christian? You know you're born-again, you had your name in this book. Raise your hand, real high. Real, high, real quick, you're born-again Christian. Okay. You're a Christian leader, and every single day of your life and of mine, you have the opportunity to influence people for positive, for negative, for good, for bad, for God's glory, or for the devil's evil. So today, I want to help you through, and, and I pray after this moment that we share together that you are really going to understand your Christian leadership characteristics as your identity and as you live in Christ. First and foremost, they are grateful. They are grateful. How grateful are you? Do you find yourself complaining a lot? Do you find yourself to where that you don't really know the power of humility? You don't know the power of confession? No such. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. God gives you your heartbeat. God gives you your breath. God gives you your life. So today, as we peer into the words of the Apostle Paul, it really is applicable to our lives today at Freedom Church. Beginning with Ephesians chapter 3, he says, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me this special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. Look at the person next to you and say, Be grateful. Because it's important that we understand that God used him to extend this grace to us. He says, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, 
you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church, use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heaven places. Just like he was given the privilege to share these riches and the life of Christ, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have been given that privilege as well. We are to be grateful for that. But not only what he's saying here is the church is displayed. What is he talking about when he says the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places? That rich bride, that's the angels who are eagerly around us watching to see how that you and I as God's church are going to display God's wisdom to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Verse 11, it goes on, he says, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now, say we can now, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. We're to be grateful because as God's children, you and I have access to the throne of God to talk to God about everything. Say everything. You say, what do you mean everything? Your ups, your downs, your hurts, your pains, the pains of life. Talk to him about yourself, your future mate, your marriage, your kids. Talk to them about your spouse. Talk about your love. Talk about your health. Talk about your career. Everything. We're to be grateful that God When we have that access, we ask him to come into our lives when we pray to him and help us in this life that we live. We're to be grateful for that. But how many of you have ever seen a grumpy, obnoxious, self-absorbed, unhappy churchgoer? How many of you seen that person before? Raise your hand. Yes, we have witnessed those people. And here's what's sad about it is, when you put off that aura into to another person, it's very sad. Like the late D.L. Moody once said, he said, where one reads the Bible, there's a hundred reading you and me. Real Christian identity is that you and I are being grateful because we have been blessed. You know that you are privileged and you are grateful. You don't act dreadful. You're blessed beyond comparison. But another gift is that they are grounded. Something that he's given us. Look what Paul says as we continue on in verse 14 in Ephesians 3. He said, when I think of all this, once again, he's reminiscing one more time. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and 
on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's where you're grounded in him. You're, you're in him. You're grounded in Christ. Because if, if you're not grounded in Christ, you're going to be a person that's weak and not strong. You're going to be a person that's out and not in. You're going to be a person that is receding and not moving toward the gospel of Christ and growing strong in him. He said, and may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. What is he saying here that we have the power to understand this? When we have the power to understand, and we look at this, how wide, how wide is his love? It reaches the entire world. How long is his love? It goes the expanse of our entire lives. How high is his love? It goes to the very heights of the celebrations of life. And it says, and how deep is his love? God's love reaches to the very depths of our discouragement, to our despair, and even death. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, Paul says, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It's unlimited, infinitely. There's no limit on it, what we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. When he says amen, that means let it be so. So Paul is addressing the church here. And he's describing through the first three chapters the timeless role of the church. Now as we start and move forward and we begin in chapter 4, chapters 4 through 6, he explains how that we as members of the body of Christ here at Freedom Church should live to bring unity that God wants in his church family. And as we move forward, and another characteristic, not only that they are grateful and they are grounded, but they are gracious. Why are we to be gracious? Because we have been graced. We have been given favor. We have been given the attention of God through the cross that we could give our lives to him and have the fullness of life in everything that we do. Beginning at chapter 4, look what it says. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Did you know the only time that Jesus ever referred to himself was in Matthew 11 when he said, come to me for I am what? What's that word? Humble. Paul is reiterating this, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. See, none of us are ever going to be perfect here on earth. And, and it just shatters my thinking to think that anyone in life points at somebody else as that your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault when you've got three wiggling back at you. Because that's why he says you've got to make allowances for that because we all screw up. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Every single one of us. Let me ask you this. Is there anyone in your life whose actions 
or their personality really annoys you, raise your hand. Some of you are probably sitting beside them. Good chance of it. Or you work beside them. Their cubicle's next to yours. Or you work for them or they work for you. Or it's the neighbor who is very annoying because they look at their landscape and it's not quite like theirs. Whoever it may be, <laughs> you got to stop focusing on their weaknesses. You got to stop focusing on their faults. You got to start stop focusing on their ways. But you pray for them because of your love. You try to do what you can do to make allowances. The problem with society, the reason it's divided, is because no one makes allowances for our faults. He goes on in verse 3, he says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. See, unity doesn't just happen in the church. It's something that we have to work for. How do, how do we unite together when we're all so different? We unite together through God's Spirit because we're focusing on God, not on ourselves. Too many people focus on themselves, and, and we're to concentrate on that which unites us, not what that divides us. Then we'll be one in Christ, and we'll act Christ-like. You can tell what a person's relationship is with God when you look at what their relationship is with other people. Think about that. If a person is distant from other people holistically, there's a good chance that they're distant from God. Christ will never love me more or love me less. You either. Jesus paid my sin debt. He paid all of humanity's sin debt. So Jesus wants me to love you like Jesus loves me. That's gracious. That's extending grace. That's a real Christian characteristic that you to lead your life by. There's another one as well as we look here and peer into this beautiful book. Another leadership characteristic of Christians that you lead your life by is that they are gifted. Look at verse 7 beginning there in chapter 4. He says, however, say however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire world universe with himself. Wow. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, that's a five-fold calling for those who are leading the churches. For me, it falls into being a pastor and evangelist. 
But the focus is not to focus on the fivefold here. It's to focus on the succeeding verse. Listen to what it says. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So when we read this verse and we look at my job as your pastor, as an evangelist, what God has called me to do, I could do a whole lot of work. And I can work hard and I try to work hard. And I could probably do the work of 10 people. But if I'm the one who's doing all the work in the church, then how long am I going to do the work of 10 people? Not long, am I? But if my job is to do what God is calling me to do, my responsibility is to do what? To equip who to do the work of the church. What's it say? Who does the work of the church? God's people do the work of the church, right? Therefore, we're all, you're all ministers. You say, whoa, wait a minute. I'm pushing back on that, Pastor. We're not all ministers. No, everyone's ministers. My job is an administer. I am to administrate helping you to do the work of the church. Because look at all the people in God's house today. How much more work's going to get done if I take my job very a responsible person and a leader in the church to help you to be able to do the work of the church? Look how much more is going to get done. Does, do you understand what I'm saying? Say yes. It makes a huge difference, church. So it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Your gifts are to be used to build up and strengthen the church. If you know what they are, use them. If you don't know what they are, we will help you. Come to us. Let us know. We want to disciple you and help you to become everything God created you to be with your special gifts. So I'm telling you, if you don't have a place to serve, take a card out of the back of the seat and say, I want to serve, Pastor. We will customize your serving schedule, your calendar. There's people serving through the week and on the weekends and all through the month. We will do that. God gave you gifts to use for His glory. And there's a special work only you can do because you are gifted. You might not realize it, but you are. The last leadership characteristic of Christians' identity is where we'll spend the remainder of our time. They are growing. They are growing. When your leadership characteristics of your Christian identity exemplifies that you're grateful, that you're grounded, that you're gracious, and that you are gifted, then you have the humility to know you're growing. Because nobody's arrived yet. I don't care if you're 80 years old or you're eight years old or somewhere in between. Nobody has arrived yet in this shell that God has given us to walk on this earth. No one has arrived. We're all to be growing in Christ. You are to stand on your convictions, yet you're to always know and acknowledge that you are growing as a Christian. Paul goes on to say here in chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us in, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. His body, the church. 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Where's he going with this? Listen to this. He says, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. I ask you today, church, does this not sound like the majority of the people living in this nation? If I am right, say yes. It's not to be you. It's not to be me. Starts with a conjunction here in, 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 chat, in verse 20 of chapter 4. It says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. No, that's not what you're learning. That's what my job is as your pastor is to teach you and disciple you and help you understand. This is not what you're learning about Jesus. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Get rid of it. Don't live in it. It's not you. That's not where you're headed. Your future is in front of you. And God is in your future waiting for you to get there. He said, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Look at verse 19 and say, be like God. Be like God. Wow. <laughs> Truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Late Phyllis Diller, the comedian. She once said, she said, my husband and I, we never go to bed mad at each other. She said, we stay up all night and fight, which maybe some of you, I don't know, but we're not to go to bed mad. We're not to let the sun go down on the wrath. Why is that? What, why would we not do that? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. See, that anger grabs a hold of you. Sin. There's a breaking point that it becomes sin. Sin will take you further, keep you longer, and cost you more than you can ever imagine. Then you live in a life of regret. He says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Is that what's clamatory? Don't use foul or abusive language. I heard a pastor the other day talked about his dad was a pastor. And he said, when my dad got saved, he lost half of his vocabulary. And I thought, wow. If you tell me you're a born-again Christian and you didn't lose half of that 
foul or abusive language, if you didn't lose that half of it, something's wrong today. If you go outside of these walls today and you increase your vocabulary out there to use foul or abusive language, what kind of Christian characteristics is your identity showing to the people in your circle of life? person you are when you are by yourself if that person there is not the person that we're talking about in Christ please hit your knees please pray for the power of God to do something mighty in your life it says let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them How many of you agree with me that our world and the people that we see in our everyday walks of life, do you agree with me that people are discouraged? Would you agree with me on that? If there's ever a time, church, that we need to take an encouraging spirit and be good and helpful to people in the world, it's now. Because people are hurting and broken. And they're like those Gentiles that Paul's talking about. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. All other ethnicities, they're hopelessly confused. He says in verse 30, he says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. I asked you, are you bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live? Because you're one thing in church, but you're another out there. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, Paul says remember. You know what the word remember means? It means go back. Take a track back and remember what's going on there. Look back. He said, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That, my friends, are Christian characteristics worth living out that our world needs. What will you do to make your future better as God has touched your heart about these things see the only things we can take into eternity is the things we give away now you know how you're going to know that what a real Christian looks like is when you see them being grateful in the good times especially in the bad when you see them rooted and grounding in Christ, they're not tossed about by every kind of wind and new teaching that comes down the pipe. No, no, no. When you see them graciously loving someone else without judging them for appearance. When you see them using their gifts for God's glory in His church to build up His church. When you see them taking spiritual steps to grow in Christ and living in humility and because they know they haven't arrived yet. They're plugged into the local church. 
they're worshiping, they're fellowshipping, they're, they're serving, they're giving, they're sharing their faith. That's what it's about in a nutshell for you and I. That's the leadership. Christian qualities that we're to be identified in Christ about. See, we're living our dash. Living our dash. One day, you'll have an ending date. Until then, what are you doing in faith? Because it reminds me that there was a Rwandan man of God back in 1980. And this man here, his tribe told him that if he didn't renounce the name of Christ, he was facing certain death. He refused. Because he loved his Lord as he is in Christ. He refused, and of course, he was killed on the spot true story the night before he was executed for his faith in Jesus he wrote a commitment out it's rightly named the fellowship of the unashamed some of you may have heard it some of it some of you haven't Bob Moorhead in 1995 put this in his book the book's name was words aptly spoken I asked you to make this your prayer as a fellow Christian. And if we do, the world and our church will be a better place. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I have stepped across the line. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back up, or be still. I'm done. I'm finished with low living sight, walking smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, promotion, position, applause, or popularity. I do not have the right. I do not have to be right, first, tops, praised, recognized, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk with patience, and labor with power. My face is set. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My vision is clear. My God is reliable. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will no longer flinch in the face of persecution, hesitate in the presence of my enemies, pander in the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I I'll not give up, let up, shut up until I've stayed up, stored up, paid up, prayed up, and preached up the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I will go until he comes. I will preach until I'll know. I will give until I drop. I will work until he stops me. And when I, when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner is clear. That, my friend, would be a great prayer to pray for our Christian characteristics leading our lives with that identity in Jesus. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we praise you today and we thank you that 
you are here amongst us. We thank you for your holy word today. God, we thank you for the future that you have for us as we live in your son, Jesus Christ. God, may all of these Christian characteristics be led of our lives as our identity is in you, Heavenly Father. God, do a work in our hearts. May your spirit move today. May your conviction be about. May lives be changed. People be closer to you today, God. As we continue praying, how many of you that are Christians here today will humbly admit that you have some character flaws that God wants you to repent of or work on? Would you just raise your hand real high across the auditorium? God bless you for your honesty. Hands up everywhere. God in heaven, Lord, I just pray, God, you're going to continue to work on our hearts. I just want to ask you to pray this today. Just tell them, say, dear God, help me to be like you, not like my sinful self. Forgive me today. Tell them that. Give me your forgiveness, your strength to be more like you. God, bring to my mind and the things as I'm walking each day and not to do the things that are not your characteristics. I want my identity, and when people look at me to see I'm a Christian, they have no question that I am. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and sending Jesus to die for each of us to be forgiven. Jesus, through you, Lord, may each of us know who we are, and may we enjoy these wonderful benefits that we have, and may we be an example of you in the life that we live, especially through our church family, for your glory and your honor. Lord, help us and give us strength not to listen to Satan or others. That we know who we are in you and we embrace that true identity to be like you. Do a mighty work, God, today. I believe with this many people here, some of you need to be born into the family of God today. Maybe you're here for your first time and you came to check things out and now the Holy Spirit's conviction has touched your heart and you know that you want to know Jesus in your heart. If that's you today, and you've never done that, would you just lift your hand real high and say, that's me today, Pastor. You're talking to me. Just lift your hand real high and say, I need to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life today. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. How many of you know that you need to recommit your life to Jesus today? Just lift your hand and say, I need to do a work with God. Just pray to him right now and say, God, forgive me. God, help me. Restore me, God. Help me be everything you want me to be in you, God, today. For those of you that may need salvation, just tell Lord Jesus, say, Lord, I invite you into my life. I know I can't earn it, God. Your grace is what can save me, so I ask you to save me today, God. I need you as my Savior. Forgive me, Jesus, save me. Thank you, God, for the great work you're doing and you continue to do in each of us. Find us faithful for your glory and honor in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Let's give our great God glory for his word. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to go into a time of giving, and I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for those of you that faithfully give to Freedom Church from the resources God has blessed you with. You know, it's, it's just incredible that when we say this is our church family, when you're uh, not a Christian, you're consuming. But in our consumeristic 
world, it seems like that Christians have taken on the consumeristic mindset of, of our great United States of America when we're to be the contributors. So I want to thank you for those of you that give God back and you contribute in the kingdom of God here, that we collectively together can be good stewards of it to reach people to know God, and that's what it's about. There's multiple ways you can do that. They tell you on the screens. You can do it tangibly as you leave. But thank you from the bottom of our hearts that all of us together can make a difference, reaching one life at a time. I'm going to pray over this offering in just a moment. But also, if you're here and you're brand new today to Freedom Church, we call you VIPs because you're very important to us, most of all to God, because we love you and God does too. If you would, do me a huge favor. If you would take a card out of the back of the seat and put as much information on it as you care to, take it out the info desk, and they're going to give you a gift to say thank you for coming today. And uh, we're going to commemorate your visit with a gift. And if you're in a hurry, you can throw it in the buckets as you leave if you don't want to go to the info desk. But we want to say thank you for coming. And give us a three-peat. Give us three weeks to check it out, see if it's a church family for you. And if not, we'll help you find one. Everybody needs a church family. But if you gave your life to Christ, be sure that you take a card out of the back of the seat. Let us know that. Drop it in the offering. And also, I'll be at Next Steps over here across from the coffee shop. If you prayed that prayer, come and see me. I'd love to talk to you and want to commemorate this day. Um, I want to pray over the offering right now. I've got two quick things to tell you, and then we'll cut you loose. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege we have to bring back from what you blessed us with. God, um, we're to be cheerful givers, God, because... What we have is yours anyway, so take it and use it for your glory as we give back. Bless each one, God, and we pray, God, that we'll be faithful stewards to reach this world for your glory and your honor. And we thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. uh, Next Sunday, after this service, we're going to have a newcomer's luncheon. They're going to throw this up on the screen. Uh, If you are new here, if you're brand new today, we'd love for you to come to this. We will take good care of your kids. We're going to feed your family lunch. And uh, we're going to, Shannon and I and and some of the staffers here, we're going to spend time with you and share our vision, values, what we're about as a church family. Love to spend that time with you. And if you're thinking about a church to land in, uh, even if you come and you're here today and it's the first time you've came, uh, you'll know whether you want to be a part of the family or not. We want to share that inside scoop with you and what we're about and uh, we want to change the world for Jesus. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. So go ahead and pull up that QR code, get that, sign up for that, so we know to be able to be ready for your attendance. And uh, we're excited about that, what God is going to do, as those of you are going to be spending time with us next Sunday right after this service. Last but not least, we have our Fall Festival and Trunk or Treat, which will be on Saturday, October 29th. Now, two things we need. We need candy. Bring in plenty of candy to get our kids stoked up on sugar so you can go home with them and, and you know, and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, we do need candy. And also, if you would like to do a trunk, what I love about Freedom Church, there's some creativity in this house unlike no other. I've seen some amazing trunks that blows my mind. They got a table set up out there to sign up to do trunks. We need trunks. So go out there, sign up for one of them. And uh, if you're not going to do a trunk, bring in candy. We'd appreciate it very, very much. Other than that, I love every one of you. I hope and pray you'll be back next week. Bring somebody with you. Don't come alone. I'm excited about what Jesus is doing in my life and yours. Let's get excited about other people too. Bring them with you. I love you. God bless you.